We're going to be using the songbooks and, and utilizing them. If you want to go ahead and open them up to the number 302. Number 302, we're going to be looking at this hymn. We have a wonderful blessing that we enjoy in Christ, and that is the fellowship that we share with other Christians. Romans 12, verse 5, tells us we are members one of another. It says, so we being many are one body in Christ, and individual members, one another. We have this special bond, a special bond that binds us together. And that's what this song, Bless Be the Tie, that's what it is. It's a simple yet beautiful song that describes the bond that we have with one another. The words were written by a man by the name of John Fawcett in 1782. That's what it says there on the left-hand side, right above the music. John Fawcett in 1782 wrote these words. And the melody was written by a man named Johan. And that's all I'm going to try to even attempt to pronounce. Johan. He's the one that, that wrote the melody. And it was arranged by Lowell Mason in 1845. The words of this song... Uh, they help us. They help us to reflect upon the special bond that we enjoy as Christians. And we're going to sing this song. We're going to sing it verse at a time. And then we're going to stop and we're going to look at each verse and see what they mean to us. Starting with verse 1. So if you want to go ahead and get that songbook back out. Number 302. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love, the fellowship of kindred minds is like to This first verse, <clears throat> blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. I want you to consider first the tie that binds us. It is not an earthly tie. It is not a tie such as friendship or marriage or family. All of these ties are social. They're, they're, they're physical ties. But this is, this is a special tie, one that's not broken by, by earthly ties such as these. It's not broken by separation. It's not broken by incompatibility. I think of the apostles and, and, and the, the type of men that they were. They weren't necessarily the type of men that were compatible with one another. When you consider the fishermen and the tax collectors, that weren't the kind of group of guys that would just associate with one another and would come to make a, a, a friendship. But we see a tie that bound them all together. And we even see that this tie is strong enough that it's not separated, it's not severed by death. In fact, if we'll consider what the Bible tells us, such as Colossians 3.14, which tells us this tie, this bind is love, and it's not easily broken. Or 1 John 4, uh, chapter 7, excuse me, 1 John chapter 4, 7 through 11. They'll go on to tell us that love is something that comes from God, and that God Himself is a God of love. Or 1 John 3.16, which is how we learn that the love that we have is a love learned by the example of Christ. Or John 13, that's where I want to turn to 
right now. John 13, in verse 34, where we learn that love serves as a mark of true discipleship. In verse 34, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And notice verse 35. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The tie, the tie that binds, it involves love. Love that is uniquely Christian and love that is patterned after Christ's love. It then goes on to say, The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. We're here in John. Let's turn back over to John 17. This tie that we have, it involves unity. And it's a unity that Jesus prayed for in verse 20 of John 17. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe me, believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be in one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. The same sort of unity, this, this unity of mind, Paul prayed about this over in Philippians 2. But there's something even more important in 1 Corinthians that Paul tells us about this. 1 Corinthians 1.10, Paul tells us that we better not threaten this unity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, he says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. This tie that, 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 that we have, it seeks to emulate the unity between the Father and the Son. The tie that binds is based upon love and unity, which Christ makes possible. Now how is it manifested in us? This is illustrated in the remaining verses of this song. So let's look at verse number 2 now. <clears throat> verse number 2. Before our second verse we see before our father's throne we pour our ardent prayers we are blessed to be able to approach God in prayer you want to turn over to Hebrews and look in chapter 4 we see this is a privilege a privilege that is enjoyed in Christ in verse 14 seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, 
the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of, of grace. But we also see that not only is this a privilege we enjoy with Christ, this is a privilege that comes with great blessings. Look at the remainder of that verse in verse 16. We come to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the t- and help in the time of need. It's great blessings that go along with us being able to approach the Father's throne in prayer. And as the song depicts, this prayer is a frequent and fervent prayer, this ardent prayers. James chapter 5, just a few pages over from where we're at, talks about when we pray, we need to be praying for one another. In James 5 and verse 16, we read, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. But we also see back in Acts, if you want to turn over to Acts the first chapter to begin with, we see that this is this is something that we should be doing with one another as well. Acts 1 and verse 14 says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And also in Acts 2 in verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in, breaking of, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Let us be, let us be praying and, and taking advantage of this benefit of this tie that binds us and also strengthens the tie that we have with one another. And then we see in the latter part of this second verse, our fears, our hopes, our aims are one, our comforts and our cares. You know, we have similar concerns and similar desires. Part of that is because we're simply all fellow human beings. We're humans in this world, and so we, we see that we have a desire to be healthy, a desire to, to not, have, not be sick. We, we see a fear oftentimes of death. We enjoy comforts. We don't want to lose our jobs. We don't want to be poor and live in poverty. We, we see that as human beings we have these same concerns, but also because we are fellow citizens of the kingdom of Christ. We share things like what we see in 1 Peter in 1 Peter, we share the hope. 1 Peter chapter 1, and in verse 3, we share this hope. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We share this hope of the resurrection and of eternal life. And 2 Peter, or excuse me, I'm sorry, 1 Peter in verse 5, 8 and 9 goes on to tell us, that we also share struggles. 1 Peter uh, chapter 5 and verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brothers in the world. We share in these same struggles. And as Christians, therefore, we can have we can have more in common. Not just because of our human nature, but also because we are partakers of a divine nature. Turn over to 2 Peter. 2 Peter in chapter 1, look in, in verse 2. Verse 2 and 3. Grace and peace be multiplied to you 
in the knowledge of God and of, our, of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who calls us by glory and by virtue. Grace and peace are multiplied to us as partakers of this divine nature. And it also says in verse 4 of Second Peter 1, that we have exceedingly great and precious promises, saying, by which you have given to us these exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world through lust. Our shared experiences enhance our spiritual blessings that strengthen our tie. The next verse is going to focus on our mutual problems that we sometimes face. In verse 3. We share our mutual woes, our mutual burdens bear, and often for each other. Christians, we are to bear one another's burdens. Galatians 6 tells us this. If you want to turn over there to Galatians 6 in chapter 1, or excuse me, Galatians 6 verse 1. In verse 2, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And back in James, it tells us that in times of spiritual weakness, these are times that we are called upon to reach out to our brethren and to pray for them. James 5 and verse 16 says, Confess your trespasses, we read earlier. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. In these times of persecution, we need to remember. We need to remember that our brethren, they need us. Hebrews chapter 13 and in verse 3 says, Remember the prisoners, as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. So in physical times, in times of physical need, likewise, we're going to be doing the same thing. James 1 and verse 27 says, Pure and undefiled religion before God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. What do all these verses say? All these verses say that we are to manifest our love for, for one another in such a way. In such a way as to be remembering for them, to be praying for them, to be visiting them, to be as if we are going through the same things that they are going through. And this is the tie we have in Christ. And that tie is truly a blessing. Then the, the verse goes on to say, And often for each other flows the sympathizing tear. That's how God has composed the body. God has composed the body in such a way that as Romans 12 says, we might weep for one another. Romans 12 and verse 15, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. It's emotional. 
It's emotional, but it's an effective demonstration of the bond that we share. When we see someone else suffering, we suffer with them. When we see our, our brothers and sisters rejoicing, we rejoice with them. And finally, the final verse describes the impact of the tie that binds. In verse 4, when it comes time to separate, even if it is just temporarily. <clears throat> when we under part it gives us inward pain the fact is the tie that we have the tie that binds us together yeah when we depart one another it's going to be painful it is note the example in Acts 20 look at Acts 20 when, when Paul with the Ephesian elders in verse 36 says and when he had said these things he knelt down and prayed with them all then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more. And they accompanied him to the ship. We need to ask ourselves this question. Have we ever experienced such pain? If we haven't, we might need to examine the tie that we have with our brothers and sisters. When we separate, it is a painful thing. But, as the second verse goes on, we shall be joined in heart and we shall hope to meet again. Colossians 2, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 5 goes on to talk about this. <clears throat> we might be separated in the flesh, but we will remain together in the spirit. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ. And we are comforted. We're comforted by a wonderful hope. If you want to turn over just a few passages to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We have this hope of the resurrection. In verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with Him those who sleep. In Jesus, for this we say to you by the word of our Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means proceed those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from the heavens with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, Comfort one another with these words. This hope that we have, this hope in the resurrection, we need to understand that it's made possible only by Christ. First Peter chapter uh, chapter one again. 
flip right back over there and look at that one last time. Verse 3. 1 Peter 1 and verse 3. Where we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. An inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. It is this hope, this hope which keeps our hearts joined together when all other bonds, socially, physically, when all these other, other bonds fail. That's why this tie is so blessed. Blessed be the tie is an absolutely beautiful song. It's a song that describes the, the oneness that we share in Christ and expresses how many Christians truly feel for one another. But it describes a blessing that, that is known only to those who have been added by Christ to the church. Acts 2, 41 and 47 talks to us about that. About how Christ added them to the church. And it also describes a blessing to those who are diligent in preserving the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3. In Ephesians 4, verse 1 through 3, we read about, about this, this bond. <clears throat> I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. If we have not done these things, if, if we have not been added by Christ to His church, if we are not being diligent in trying to preserve unity, then this blessing is not something that is describing us. Have you been added to the Lord's church? Have you done so through obedience to the gospel? Acts 2.38 tells us that it is through baptism and through repentance that, we've, that we submit ourselves to His will. And are you doing your part to strengthen the tie that binds those in Christ? One last verse I'll leave you with. Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> I mentioned this verse earlier, but we didn't read it. Colossians chapter 3 and in verse 14. But above all these things, put on love, which is, the, which is the bond of perfection. Above all these things, put on love. In just a moment, we're going to be reading number 330, or singing number 331, Kneel at the Cross. Think of these words as well. As, we've, as we have taken the time to examine this song, Blessed Be the Tie. And the words that we sing, these are proclamations that we are making as we sing our, these words to God. But we also sing these words to one another, reminding one another how we feel. Right now we're about to sing a song that reminds one another that if we will bend ourselves to submission to Christ, if we will kneel down at that cross, the first verse says, Christ will meet you there. If there is some need that you have this evening, I pray that you will please make it known as we stand and sing this song.